Welcome, everyone, to episode 23 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host, Matthew, and I've got another interesting story for you guys today. The murder of Krista Harrison. But first, a little news. This week, I did my first giveaway through the Facebook group. I'm writing this episode before the actual winner is chosen, so congratulations to the winner. I will be doing more of these going forward. The prize this time was some Ohio Unsolved stickers, buttons, and a keychain. I'm hoping to do more and different giveaways in the future as this podcast grows. So make sure to join the Facebook group to be able to get in on all the future giveaways. Now let's get right into the episode. Everyone sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. This story is a little graphic. I will leave details to a minimum, but as always, listener discretion is advised. 11-year-old Krista Harrison was born on May 28, 1971. On July 17, 1982, Krista and her friend were in the Marshville, Ohio park playing and picking up aluminum cans. The park they were in was only 100 yards away from Krista's home. Krista's friend would later report to the police that a man somewhere between 25 and 35 years old pulled up to them in his van and then forced Krista into the van and drove away. The van was described as being brown or dark red with round windows near the back. After her kidnapping, Several volunteers searched the area for any sign of her with no luck. The police initially thought that the kidnapper would reach out with a ransom demand, but that never happened. Six days later, her body was found. She was found lying in some weeds off of a rarely used road in Holmes County, Ohio. She had been strangled and sexually assaulted and she had a large plastic bag wrapped around her legs. Due to the condition of her body being badly decomposed, the police were unable to even identify her body until her father was able to confirm that it was indeed Krista. The police also found a Budweiser towel, a bloody car seat box, a wad of Krista's hair, gloves, a plaid shirt, and jeans all in the vicinity of the dump site. After examination of her remains, 
they were able to determine that her body was kept in high temperatures, most likely being inside of the kidnapper's van for long periods of time. Orange-colored fibers were found on Krista's body and on a towel they found nearby. After being examined under a microscope, they determined that the orange fibers were most likely from some kind of carpet. There were similar fibers found on the body of a 12-year-old Tina Harmon, who had been raped and murdered only eight months earlier. There was a man who had already been convicted of Tina's murder based solely on circumstantial evidence, but he was in prison at the time that Krista was kidnapped. The police then began to believe that the two girls were victims of the same man, because they were both murdered in similar ways in the same county, and they both had similar fibers on their bodies. The bag that was found wrapped around the lower half of Krista's body was unique as it had distinct folding patterns and thickness that occurred during the manufacturing process. The bag was traced to a factory in Pioneer, Ohio. Such bags were used for packaging a type of car seat, which was black in color. These seats that were sold exclusively through Sears were only available for a brief amount of time through mailing. The box containing Harrison's body belonged to the same type of car seat. Sales records of the car seats were subsequently examined from the store to search for any Ohio resident who might have purchased the seats. There were 23 people in northern Ohio who had purchased this particular type of car seat, but none of them owned a van that matched the one used during the abduction. Shortly after Krista's body was found, a $10,000 reward was offered for information that would lead to the arrest of the perpetrator. No one was arrested until two years later. In 1984, 44-year-old Robert Anthony Buell, who was employed by the state of Ohio, kidnapped a 28-year-old woman while she was working as a manager at an Ohio gas station in Damascus, Ohio. The woman's head was shaved, she was shocked with a severed electrical cord, beaten, and was bound to Buell's bed and raped. She was able to escape 12 hours later, fearing for her life, and she ran to a nearby house and notified the police after her attacker had left to go to work. Such a man had previously preyed on Ohio women, who were usually in their late 20s to 40s. The police then compared the orange carpet fibers that they found on Krista's body to the ones that they found in Buell's van, which was the same color as the one seen in 1982. The rearview windows were a different shape, but it was later discovered that they had been replaced. It was then concluded that the fibers that they found on Krista's body and the carpet in Buell's van were a match and records from Sears indicated that Buell had purchased the same type of car seat that was once contained in the bag and box used to conceal Krista's body. Paint found on the jeans near the dump site matched paint that was on the outside of Buell's home as well. 
The jeans themselves were similar to other pairs that he owned. Spray paint in his garage was also a match to some that was present on the box. However, a fingerprint that was found on plastic concealing Chris's body did not match Buell's fingerprints. Buell would plead no contest to the abduction and rape of the adult woman, but he did deny any involvement with, with Chris's murder. He was found guilty after being tried and sentenced to death in 1984. He denied any involvement and was never charged with the death of Tina Harmon, although dog hairs belonging to the remains of one that was found buried in his backyard matched. In 2010, DNA from the crime scene of Tina's murder was compared to Buell's and they were also found to be a match, therefore indicating that he was involved in her rape and most likely her murder as well. There was another victim who was murdered in 1983, 10-year-old Deborah K. Smith. She had wax on her body that was from the same kind of candles that Buell had in his home. Her body was found over a month after her death, abandoned at the side of the Tuscarawas River. Robert Buell was executed by lethal injection in 2002. It gets a little rough reading all these different stories weekly about human monsters doing these horrible things to young girls. Not that doing them to adults is any better, but little girls who can't defend themselves at all is such a cowardly piece of shit thing to do. Our next story comes from, yep, you guessed it, yourghoststories.com. As always... I'll be reading from the author's perspective. In August 1991, I was staying with some friends at their home in Avon Lake, a little town about 12 miles east of Lorraine. I had been evicted from my home for non-payment, which I didn't pay because the new owner wanted to raise the rent, tack on utilities, but he didn't want to fix anything. By this point, I had no running water. I had a new job coming up in Cleveland, and it was a live-in position, which started in September. So until then, I'd stay with my friends. Now Dave and I had wound up on each other's doorsteps in the past, so this was nothing new. We thought that we'd left the weirdness behind us in Lorraine, until we started noticing things coming up missing small items which would turn up in plain sight later. The three of us slept in the wreck area of the basement and were awakened a couple of times by the TV coming on all by itself. Dave's dog and cat would often act as if trying to get the attention of an unseen fourth person. Dave's mother rarely came down there, we thought because of the stairs. One Sunday morning, I was awakened by the scent of coffee brewing. Looking over at the bed from the couch where I slept, I could see that Dave was already up and probably in the kitchen 
and Buddy was stirring. I had just put on my glasses when I heard Buddy scream. I whirled in her direction and I could see she was pointing at the foot of the stairs. There, directly below the brightly lit ceiling fixture, was the form of a man, looking as if made of darkness itself. It was three-dimensional and opaque, standing upright, facing her. I yelled, and it turned towards me, and flipped sideways, like that woman in the Star Trek episode, so that I could barely see it on edge. Then it vanished. As it disappeared, the dryer, which was in the next room, came on all by itself. Dave came charging down the stairs. All of this was within a few seconds. To comfort his wife, as we both described to him what we'd seen, he said he'd sometimes seen something moving in that particular spot that wouldn't be there when he'd turn his full gaze upon it. We tried to tell his mother about it, but she refused to discuss it, saying that we were making it up to scare her. Still, she wouldn't go down into the basement by herself. I'll never get tired of these Shadow Man stories. They're so creepy, although I never want to see one for myself. But I do love reading about them. Our final story comes from the same website, and it's about something trying to get inside of their home. My mother has always told me not to worry about the things that are in our home. She tells me that good spirits are here who won't harm us. Yet I agree and disagree at the same time. I do believe that there is something here on our property and it wants to get inside our home. For years, I've always gone walking in the woods because of how peaceful and calming it is. Only I've been chased out by something and always smelling horrible, rotting things that I can never find. It takes your breath away. It's been going on for years like that, and one of the first times I got chased out of the woods, I could hardly see because I wasn't wearing my glasses. My cat Milkshakes was with me, and she ran away scared. I didn't see why because she always stood by my side no matter what, but I could tell that she was really scared. So I looked around the best I could and I saw a bush moving and vines being torn down. There was a huge black thing, bigger than a dog and smaller than a bear, coming at me and I just knew that I had to get out of there fast. I never ran so fast in my life. I went back up there a few times with my glasses so I could see, and I never found anything. A month or so ago, my dog Dixie was acting very odd. She would stare outside the door for hours and not even bark or anything, until one day something was trying to tear down the back door and she was going crazy. I jumped up with a knife in my hand, thinking that someone was trying to break in. My dad went out the front door in case they went around that way, and when I was outside, no one was there at all. The cats were gone, and my other dog, Spot, 
was in his house. I knew that if it was a person, Spot would have attacked them because he is a very mean dog when it comes to strangers. So I don't know what it was. It happened again not long ago, only the door was almost broken in half and I went outside. For a summer day, the area that I was in was really cold and I felt so wrong by being there. I know something's out there and it wants in. I just hope that it doesn't because whatever is out there I know is evil. I was talking to my friend about it and he says that the property could be cursed and wants revenge on the owners. I don't see why something would seek revenge on us when we haven't done anything. If anyone could tell me what this thing is, I would be really thankful. Well, that's going to do it for today. If you enjoyed the stories, please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. A five-star rating really helps other people find the podcast. Make sure to join us on Facebook to get in on the next giveaway I do. Follow us on Instagram, and if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider to help support it through the Ohio Unsolved Patreon. There's three tiers to choose from, with monthly bonus episodes available from the $5 tier and up. If you have any stories of your own that you would like to share, please do so and I will include them in a future episode. As always, thank you everyone for listening, and make sure to keep your doors and windows locked, and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved. <laughs>